Capcom wins with Cody. The new mayor of Metro City is now available in Street Fighter V, and people are really taking a liking to him. It makes us wonder if Capcom has finally hammered down how to do this new DLC model correctly. Plus, learn how to make adjustments like the pros, and how to avoid doing yourself the disservice of judging characters, moves, and games too quickly. This is the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. Alright, so, yeah, uh, both both John and I here, uh, we're both named John, but yeah, uh, both John and I here have been pretty uh, sick. I pick up a cold because uh, I've got young kids. And I picked up a, a hernia because I, I don't know I don't know how I ended up doing it, but I've been at <laughs> surgery and then uh, recovering from that and I've been pretty low energy and then also I have allergies, so it's the, it's the wham-bam right now. Yeah, uh, actually, on the note of, of your sickness, uh, uh, Velociraptor here had a little bit of a Rambo moment because he was, um, he basically, if, actually, you can tell this a little bit better than I did, but I <laughs> joked with him about being Rambo and, you know, just kind of fighting through the pain and whatnot. And I, I guess in the Rambo movies, he's taught to ignore pain, which I don't know how you do that. <laughs> but anyway, you're taught to ignore pain. And, but you had a little bit of a Rambo moment. Maybe you could describe, maybe not in horror detail what happened, but in some detail. It's everyone, everyone in my life, first of all, has been much more nervous and like sensitive about all of this than, than I have. Everyone's like worried, like don't move and 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 don't hurt yourself further. Be you know real careful and such. And and so um, when I got out of surgery, I had a uh, like a like a catheter put into my chest that went down into my uh, like a good six inches down into like my stomach or so that would deposit a local anesthetic. Because um, I, I won't get any any more graphic than that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but so so I've had this uh, this tube that's been just depositing this like liquid delicious cocaine substance into my body, making me feel great. But on I guess it was on Monday that was over with. The the all of the medicine had been deposited and such, and the instructions were okay. When it's over, you just take it out. And I'm like, what? You just take it out? Like yeah, yeah, you just take it out. So um, John and I were talking, and he, he he made a reference to Rambo and and you know being strong and pulling through everything. And I'm like, you know, actually I had to. Uh, had to pull a catheter out of my chest, uh, like, like six <laughs> oh, inches or yeah. so. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't painful. It was just weird. But uh, but yeah. So now yeah. that we're all uh, into the nitty gritty, gross, you know, violent, <laughs> you know, Rambo frame of mind, maybe we should talk about some fighting games. Yeah, I think we lost all of our podcast listeners <laughs> just now. <laughs> Welcome to the story, final episode of yeah, the Podcast. Yeah, yeah we, we started, and now we're done. Grand opening, grand closing. So, yeah, actually, that reminds me of uh, Mike Ross and, and Gutex, who I just stole that line from. They talked about, like, you know, getting into to new avenues and whatnot with their uh, ventures and stuff. And, and we were discussing, like, our podcast listeners not being that strong yet and just trying to build up our audience a little bit more there. And... The thing about like starting a new business venture is it's tough to get it up off the ground. It's tough to get people to come in and actually test it out. And what we're finding right now on the website is the stories that we're doing that promote the podcast post or the podcast episodes we're putting up are actually getting more traffic than the podcast itself, <laughs> which is not, yeah, it's not too shocking, but it's, it's tough to get a new audience in the door and be like, hey, we're doing this new thing. Will you guys actually check it out and do it? And one of the things that Gutex talked about a ways back was having, uh, I don't know how many subscribers the cross counter channel has right now, but, uh, they were, they were, he was trying to do some new things basically. And he realized the extreme value of having a ton of subscribers on YouTube because you have a base audience that you're going with and they learn to just kind of visit you and check up on you in that way. And to, to teach people again, like, Hey, there's a new medium and there's a new approach. You should try it out and whatnot. It takes a while, you know, it takes a while for people to get going on this. So anyway, 
just with the podcast, if you guys hear us like, you know, ah, low numbers or anything like that, like we love doing this. We're doing this for you guys uh, and for our, our own selves. Like we have huge egos. We have to stroke mm-hmm. those. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, we, we love doing this. It's a great medium. It's a great way to discuss some things on, on you know, the fighting game community that we're not able to do in other ways. And so we're, we're doing this to get it out there. If you guys can help us promote it and just, you know, tell a couple friends or tell other people, hey, you know, try subscribing and whatnot. It does help us a lot. Uh, go to the go to the comment section of the uh, of the articles that we write about these podcasts and tell the people that just went from the headline to the comments to actually listen to the podcast. We're preaching to the choir right now because you guys are actually listening to us. And thank you so much. <laughs> but you go tell those other people that uh, that they should do the same before they before they talk about it. <laughs> John, I just want to read the headline and then I want to go comment about it. That's what I want to do. That's how that is how it's done on Event Hub. So I don't know what this whole reading stuff you guys like to preach about is, but that's that's how oh, it's done. Oh boy. So, uh, yeah. so anyways, Cody. <laughs> yes, yeah, we should we should definitely switch gears here. Uh, Cody is uh he's looking kind of strong so far. Like I had a chance to run some sets here with Dream King. Usually when a new character comes out in season 5, we try to jump in there and play around with a new character and just see what they're capable of. And one of the things I noticed right off is his V skill is very good. It is uh it's got invincibility from frame 3 onto like 15. And then on top of that, not only is it good for, you know, as a reversal and an anti-air but it builds v-gauge on top of it and it's looking like his v-triggers are pretty strong is that what you've been seeing so yeah far? absolutely if anyone that's played final fight knows how much of a godsend um at, at least casually i don't know there's, there's probably pro approaches to final fight where you don't use like most of the buttons and there's just one particular tactic that takes you through the whole game but for those of us that are not amazing that just you know played through a handful of times as kids uh cody and hagger is like uh, get off me move the, the, their their move um, was uh, like a spinning like like um, Hagar did the spinning um, what is it the Zangief move that <laughs> I can't uh, where he spins his arms around and he hits everybody and then Cody did the same yeah thing. the lariat yeah the lariat Duh. yeah lariat yeah. Uh, and then Cody did the same thing but with the kick so it's basically a tatsu right a, a standing like mm-hmm. in place. Um, vertical tatsu and it was such an, uh, a powerful move so much so that if you did it it hurts you and that's exactly what happens to cody here in street fighter 5 it it does gray damage to him whether he hits you or not so he can be full screen and if he wants to get up to having that v trigger he can actually just whiff this move across the screen and it does gray damage to him but um it, it builds his v gauge and uh yeah it was always a strong move there um it's kind of easy to to look at the numbers for it and say well it, it's not invincible till frame three so you can stuff it you know he can't just do it on wake up for free but a move that's invincible on frame three is still very strong especially in this game where it's it's difficult mm-hmm. to keep your 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 um, meaties tight because of the various wake ups and things like that and he can use it you know in between block strings and stuff like that so it's very much a, a useful tool to one hit opponents with to build v, v trigger with but also just to be a, a threat with yeah it just I, I just want to give readers context a little bit here when we're talking about you know frame 3 invincibility or armor or whatever the comparison here would be Laura's EX uh, elbow and then Mika's uh, EX flying peach which is I guess you know where she ends with her butt attack but you know she slams into you a couple times and whatnot that that's stuff you have to spend meter for typically uh you do not get this option just as a v skill um and then on top of it it's a v skill that's beating building up towards a v trigger that's very good we talk about all of these things with the caveat that we've had cody for like two days now 
and I, I feel like out of, out of the, the average you know, group of people, I am slower for hot takes and to pass judgment on things. I'm like, yeah, we, we, our first experiences are important, but they are not everything. And a lot of times people want to say, oh man, I, you know, this was really good, so, so it's a really good character. Or this is really bad, so it's just a terrible character. And just history has told us like that approach is just not very effective. We, we find out that we were wrong so often, you know, and it doesn't take much digging back through history to, to see a, a very clear example of that. Um, you know, people were saying Falk was the worst character in the game because she had a lot of kind of negativity and, and, and not a lot of um, well, like a lukewarm reception in, in, in various different mm-hmm. ways, right? And so you even had people like Infiltration um, tweeting like worst character in the game, not happy with it. And yeah. that probably translated more to I'm a little bit disappointed. It's not what I thought. And, and also I'm not winning right away with the character, but I, I say all of that. And just to throw it out the window right now, because I personally have a hot take on Cody, and it is that I think he has the potential um, to be one of the best characters in the game with how he's built right now. And yeah. um, and, and that comes from a couple of different things. One, uh, the, the V skill, which we already talked about. The V triggers, uh, I haven't seen a ton of yet, but you're seeing the pipe, I think, a lot more than you're seeing the knife at, that, at this point, and that's V trigger too. The mm-hmm. the damage the combos that are coming out of, of like pipe V trigger uh, scenarios are amazing. He's doing like mm-hmm. seven hundred and thirty damage, and we often talk in like kind of hyperbole about Street Fighter Five damage because the output is very high. But to give you like a con- that's that's almost three fourths of Akuma's health, and and that's a specific like if he stuns you with the grab. Uh, so so. You know that that that's not going to happen every single round, but it's going to happen. It's not one of these like ridiculous setups where he has to trade with a fireball at a perfect range and have this much meter and yada yada. It's like that kind of thing's going to happen. And and this character has damage output at the wazoo, um, and it, it's even it's like comparable to Abigail in some ways. Perhaps not as yeah. as frequent as Abigail is going to score this kind of damage, but Cody, as as he has been in the past, it appears to be a frame trap monster. He's got great mm-hmm. reach. He he does not have a three frame. Which I think like that that's amazing. That's really good because <laughs> he needs to have something that he doesn't have. Um, and uh, but but and, and then he can control the space very well. He's got a, a fireball that's slow moving enough. It's not quite a sonic boom, but it's definitely in that realm where where it makes you deal with it for for a while and um, and and that can open up opportunities for him. So across the board, Cody has some really strong tools: damage output, frame traps, control of space. Um, and uh, I think that well, you were you were talking about the potential weakness, his his main weakness, and that was what did you call it, the bison syndrome or something? Bison like that? disease. Bison yeah, disease. it's it. And bison is. Uh, I always go back to this because I do play bison as a sub character. And part of me, I'm not trying to insult anyone who plays. Bison oh, you should. Or you definitely should. Those, those <laughs> are the, it's fine. Either of those um, characters. And again, you, you, I think anyone who listens to the podcast regularly or follows me on Twitter or anything like that knows that I. I'm not fond of Abigail as a character, but anyway, I, I call them dumb uh, because they don't take a ton of brain power necessarily to play. You can kind of throw a lot of moves out there and see how people react to him. Uh, so with Cody, I think he's actually got a good bit of the bison disease. Not so much. I don't know how dumb or not he is, but he is. He's very susceptible to being rushed down because his moves are 
quite slow. As you mentioned, he does not have a three frame. And so you can kind of like he has to set up his moves. It takes a good amount of time. And so if you've got faster normals, you can kind of stay on him. And he can't really get you off of him very easily. Same thing with Bison. Uh, people complain so much about Bison. It's always his turn. It's like, well, it's not always his turn if you know the properties of his, his moves. If you know the properties of it, you can interrupt a lot of his attacks. You're letting him kind of get his stuff off for free, basically. And I, it's very early, but I believe Cody is going to have the same kind of problems that Bison does, where you've got big, beefy normals, but it's like, okay, don't let him do those, and you start getting going. Yeah, and I think that, and again, this is early. Um, everything that I say about Cody at this point is uh, it, it, with a little asterisk that says this is early, so it might not be the case, because I don't want to say it a million times, so just take that. Everything that I say has that asterisk next to it. But anyways, um, it, it seems like a good strategy, at least to begin with here, is to keep um you don't want to be at like sweep range his reach is very good and his ability to convert i think is pretty decent from there so what you and and then outside of that he can throw the the fireball right or the the whirlwind and and deal with you that way so what you want to try to do most of the time is be in his face and that's kind of the similar thing with with bison obviously in his face with your advantage you don't want to get up there and be minus two because then that's just opening up the uh the frame traps for him but what you want to do is just get up close to him and and start your offense so don't play at like uh where he's comfortable which i think is around sweep range or so it's i'm finally happy that that capcom did the nrs approach with a character you know with the dlc character that they're putting out there because cody is finally coming into the scene and people are, are like hey i'm excited to play this character it's that when fall came out when ed came out when um, basically most of the other dlc characters have come out it's been like oh i like the design but you know, I don't know if I'm going to really use this character in tournament or I'm going to really, you know, try to learn and compete with this character. And Cody's come out and you're seeing a bunch of people try him and he's strong enough where people are actually able to pick him up and run with him a little bit. And that's really key because this game has been out for a couple of years now. And if you've been playing for a couple of years, you have a huge advantage over people that have are picking up a brand new character. And with Capcom now, they're actually putting out these little, I don't know, minor patches or whatever you want to call them. And I'm, I'm happy to see, like, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not necessarily like, oh, Norfolk went to the ground or anything like that, but the standing medium kick nerf is probably pretty well justified for that character. And, it you know, it's it's he can still cancel it. He can still do all the normal stuff he could do, but he's just a little bit more punishable. He's a little less safe and whatnot. And I would not mind the same, you know, changes for Monat, Guile, uh, Cami for sure. You know, those are fine little tweaks to make along the way. We don't need major balance patches for a lot of these characters because, as Seth Killian once said, it's like, hit. Hey, Look, you change a few moves like frame data and the character gets a lot better or a lot worse. And these minor tweaks, they really do add up. And typically they're not going to completely with the top tiers, like I, I kind of disagree like with Seth's comment there. And I don't know if I'm using that in proper context or not. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, the point being is that, that if you tweak a couple frames for Kami and for Akuma or Minot or whatever, I don't think that's going to be the end of their life as a top tier character. Well, you know, I still think they're going to be very yeah, good. And, and a good way to look at that and to kind of analyze how, how impacting, uh, impactful, I should say, such a change would be uh, versus how like, you know, we'll, we'll go to we'll Balrog season two, right? He had so many tools. And then what did they do for 2.5? Like they reduced his health by 25. And and people were like, that is worthless. And, and I do think that that wasn't where the nerf needed to be. Um, but I'm like, well, it's not nothing. And, and the way you would measure that is we go, well, every single time you're facing a Balrog, if you're playing as Balrog, every single time you survive by 25 health, you would have lost 
given this nerf, how much would that change the result of, of you know, just, just Balrog as a character's overall track record in season two? You know, like how many rounds did he lose that he wouldn't have otherwise? And then so you apply that to, to any of these changes. You go, well, like Akuma, his, his medium kick went from minus two to minus four. Well, what does that mean? It, it is a little more punishable, but it's probably not as much as people, like that's the first place your mind's going to go with this. I think the main purpose of this nerf was because uh, for in his corner pressure, he can cancel into his like EX red fireball. And if his knee, if his knee is minus four, there's a, there's a hole there where you can neutral jump now. And it's like, okay, well now how many times will Akuma have done that and locked you down and either gotten the damage because you tried to do something or just gotten the chip, which is like 5,000 damage in chip that he does there. Um, you know, and, and, and what kind of a swing every time he does that, you're able to jump now. So like, what does that mean for this character? Like, he's gonna lose more rounds because of this, or he's not gonna have that tool. Um, and and when you consider how many how many times how many instances that it applies, like that that gets pretty significant after a while. Um, and so I really do like this approach of uh, you know Capcom came out early said we want to stick to this rigid plan of we're gonna balance once a year and we're gonna have these characters come out and stuff. And it's like they were kind of adopting what they saw in the success of the League of Legends model or the, the the MOBAs where, you know, it'd be free to play, but then they'd have new characters come out every month or two and such. And they they sort of copied it, but then they sort of didn't. And it, where they landed in that formula wasn't, uh, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible, but like uh, people say a lot of times, um, this happened in Mortal Kombat and, and there were like a lot of negatives that happened too, but but one of the things uh, Mortal Kombat X was doing was they were releasing characters um, like Tanya and like Alien or Xenomorph or however his name was, um, and they were incredibly strong upon release. And it's like that sucks kind of because it because it can break the game. And it's like let's not go overboard, but it also draws people in to play them because it's gonna be fun. And if you're just starting, you're not gonna be good with these characters. And to have a, a couple of crutches to get people's interest in them, especially if you're trying to continue to grow your audience and, and keep people interested in this game, uh, you want the new characters to be spikes of, of attention. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing is like, if you're gonna release a new character, and we talked about this last week, and no one cares, what's the point of releasing them? You know, why, why are you putting them out there? It's like, don't release suck. You know, kind of thing. It's a, it's like, look, it's like, oh, we, we made a new character. His name is literally Suck Johnson, you know, kind of thing. And he sucks. Like, no, don't play him, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, um, and, and look, that this has happened multiple times with Street Fighter V. And, and what what are you doing? You know, at that point in time, like, what are you doing? Why are you telling people to, to invest their money in this? And again, you don't want to go too far. But Capcom should have a pretty good idea of how to put a character out there that's pretty darn good, but not broken. And that's there's a fine line here. And it's something that Mike Z, the creator of Skullgirls, has talked about. And he's like, look, like we'll put a character out there and we don't know how strong they're going to be or not. And I get that. But after you've been doing things for a while and after the meta of the game has been pretty well established, you should have a pretty decent idea of what you're going to be doing there. And Again, uh, Capcom did it with with AE and, and Street Fighter Four. They put out Yun and Yang, and both characters were very strong, probably too strong. And Capcom acknowledged that they, but they, Yun wasn't like completely broken. He wasn't like just dominating everything, and you know there was nothing you could do about it type thing. He was too strong, but he wasn't just completely broken OP, you know, kind of thing. And so, yeah, that's, that is the right approach of, of you need to make sure these characters are strong. And especially if you're okay with like what we've been talking about with, with knocking down their balance a little bit, 
are increasing their their uh, their power, go ahead and put them out there so that people actually pick up these characters and play them. Because if not, if you don't do that, no one's going to pick them up and play them. And it's like, again, you've got the Suck Johnson scenario. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> exactly. So. And, and so, but there's a fine line to tread there, right? Because if, if you do it too much, then people get mad at you for, for going the, having the pendulum swing too far in that direction. And, you know, we'll see where Cody ends up. Um, but but it's much better to have them a little bit too strong than to have them, you know, in the case of Sakura, she comes out and people are like, well, yeah, I was super excited and I'll play her out of character loyalty for a while and I really want to try her out. But you know what? She's really not, I'm not having fun. And and it's like, if if you do that, like, like with Falk, Falk, I don't think got as much of a chance as she should. And there are some, uh, some players that are playing her and figuring things out and, and giving her more of a chance. We're seeing more Falk action, at least from, you know, players like Justin Wong. I think Oil King has one and, and such. And I'm seeing her a little bit locally here in Arizona. And it's like, yeah, she can she can do some stuff. But if you if if they come out and they're just a dud and no one cares, then it's just they're gonna fall by the wayside. People are gonna pick other characters or play other games. Um, and and so with Cody, there the Capcom is doing everything right so far. And and so it's like this is a character one, it's a legacy character that people are excited about. So they already have momentum. Two, they've made him free for a little while, so everyone gets to play. It's like, yes, yes, Capcom, thank you. You're being, you are in touch with the community that you are basically providing the service for. It's like you got to give us a reason, you know, to to really want to to want to do this. And they're they're dotting eyes and they're crossing T's with Cody so far. They're making him strong enough to be to be fun right off the bat. And it's like, yeah, maybe maybe we find out that he's broken. If that happens, I as a as a competitor, I'm a little afraid of Cody right now, but I as a competitor won't be all that mad, especially if they go, okay, you know, the next time a character comes out, they've shown that they're they're okay with doing these ninja edits, these ninja um n- buffs and nerfs. It's like, yeah, just just bring his frame data down a little bit or something. Just, you know, regulate him and and by that time people are a lot more familiar with him. They're they're capable of a lot more and and they should be able to make things work. Um, but but the point is you have people actually playing him. And and so I'm I'm excited that like everything about Cody thus far has has been really good from his reveal to, uh, you know, the, the, the trailer with Kenny Omega and such. It's like they have handled this character amazingly. And I'm, I'm hoping that this is the start of how they're going to do things for the rest of Street Fighter V and into their other games and titles. It's like Capcom's finally learning. It's been two and a half years, but they are they are getting there. And and it's it's really it's not too late. People are still playing this game. People are still excited to watch it. And and so great. Good. It took them a while, but we'll, it's fine. As long as we still have a, a, a battle to fight and we do. I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing how they handle G and Sagat and then and in the future. You were talking a little bit about a right way to do things, and it actually reminded me of a scenario that came up at Northwest Majors. And for those of you not familiar with, uh, I, I'm a Monot main. Uh, I actually, of all things, I use her V Trigger too, and I use it. Well, that's almost wrong. Exclusively. That's that's yes, wrong. It's, it's only V Trigger one. It's definitely John. wrong. Stupid. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm literally the only Monot player I've ever seen, and I'm almost super diamond ranked. Just so you guys know, I mean, I'm not like a terrible player or anything like that. I can hold my own. Uh, it's. I'm solid, you know, and uh, I have seen so many people like ask like, hey, why are you using V-Trigger 2? Like, what are you doing? Like, and I'm like, okay, so 
to give you guys a very light first, outline yeah, tell of us it. What, how it yeah. works because I know it makes a V of of her orbs and then they go up right. and come down and I don't know if they can do more than that. Can I probably should considering yeah. I write about this game and play the game competitively, <laughs> but I don't. So mm. here's the learning moment. But yes, tell us all yeah. what V Trigger Two does. You've got three options basically. You've got one uh, that goes straight forward. Uh, it basically, Minot activates it, and it can go straight forward and do, I think it's like 120 damage. And uh, all, all versions of these do 120 damage. And then you've got an anti-air version, which is medium punch. And then you've got a mix-up version, which is uh, heavy punch. And she, she sends and out all orbs at the same time, right? As opposed to yes, being triggered all orbs she come can out do at one at a time. Like, that's kind of the main difference. Like, whatever she does, yep. they're all coming at you at the same time with this one. Right. Okay. And the damage setups on this. Now, if you don't want to use super on this, you can get about... Uh, 320 to 350 damage per V-Trigger hit confirm. Now, it's it's not as easy to hit confirm, but what a lot of people don't realize is that you can actually do walk-forward confirms with this. Like, for example, you're out of range to, to land stuff, so you can hit uh, a big, beefy normal from a knot and then walk forward and get a hit confirm off of V-Trigger too. I know this because I've used this thing like exclusively, and there's a lot of hidden tech out there that people just don't realize about it. Uh, so anyway, in an ideal scenario, if you're getting stuff perfect, you're getting 700 damage without super for two meters for a V trigger to uh, uh, setup, you know, kind of thing. It's that's massive damage uh, that out damages the V trigger one. I think every, almost every scenario out there, unless you're, you know, you've got five hands and can do all the amazing V trigger one combos and whatnot that are out. And, I'm now seeing players like Justin Wong and Infiltration talk about V-Trigger 2, and Justin Wong actually took out V-Trigger 2 against Problem X at Northwest Majors to try to deal with his Abigail. And again, my main point about this is when V-Trigger 2 first came out, I saw a bunch of players online, some pros out there just saying, oh, it's, it's worthless, it sucks, like, why, why would you ever use this stupid move? And it's like, look... There are some uses for it. I agree that V-Trigger 1 is generally the superior uh, V-Trigger, but... There are, there are practical uses for this move. And if you completely write it off from the get-go, oftentimes you're doing a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, this move sucks. Okay, yeah, if you're not even going to try to use it and try to apply it and see where it's good, yeah, it's probably going to suck for you. But if you're willing to get outside of, of the quote-unquote right way of playing, like where people are like, look, you have to play this way, you have to do it, this is how the game works and all that kind of stuff. If you're willing to go into unexplored territory, you can often find some really cool things out there that people aren't going to you know, come across right away. And again, when Justin Wong and Infiltration are talking about using this, I generally put some some weight in their words. and like, yeah, this is not a completely worthless V-trigger. There's some stuff there with it. Is it two bar or three bar? Two bars. Two bars. And then does she get one, like per activate, does she get one uh, like set of orbs or is it two? She gets two. Now, uh, what you have to do is you have to land you know, a combo or a setup. And then the second activation is actually very punishable. I think it's like negative 15. It's not like Urian's uh, second reflector. Uh, that actually comes out much faster. I think that one's like negative like six or five or something like that. It's much easier to actually uh, get it out safely. So what you have to do is you generally have to set it up with an EX medium sphere. And that's the one that pushes the other player pretty much all the way across the screen. And so this V-Trigger is not really for landing like super confirms and whatnot. That's what V-Trigger 1 is for. But if you like having the utility of uh, being able to do EX Medium uh, Sphere and like her EX moves in general, th where she gets a lot of damage and can do a lot of hit confirms, then this V-Trigger works very well and it gives you a lot of utility throughout the match uh, to do damage throughout of it instead of just having this one big bang at the very end with the super. It seemed like Justin, so, so he specifically used it for Problem X's Abigail. And it seems yes. like um, from what I was watching, it, he was using it to like kind of escape the corner or mm -hmm. escape yeah, pressure. It's, 
Yeah, it's it's got six hits of it that fire right away, and then obviously it's uh, it. They, you can mistime the hits as well with the, the heavy punch one where it will come down in one set of three orbs and then another set like a second later. And so if someone's trying to combo you or do whatever, it will actually combo break it. It's It's got utility that people just kind of don't realize because they, they've written it off right away. You know, and, and that's kind of the thing with we talked about the hot takes and everything like that. Yes, it's easy. And, and yes, your emotions will tell you one thing. But please, guys, like when you are studying and this, this goes for everything in life, right? Like have some have some reserve um, and, and, you know, be, be speculative, but but also give stuff time. Um, and, and so we're talking about, you know, characters. We're talking about games uh, and everything in between. It's like you don't don't you don't know everything immediately. You know, you're not an expert and neither are the experts. Like it takes time to delve into this. And, and as a community, we have people like, you know, especially hats off to like Javits who takes like, it seems like every character into the lab and tries to figure out everything that there is with them and the potential there. And so all the players like that, like, man, they are so integral to the community because so many other people will so quickly write characters off or write, you know, moves and things like that off. And it's like, yeah, well, maybe they're not that great, but I really appreciate Street Fighter V, they set out to make every normal and every move have a purpose. And we've talked about that before, I think even here on the podcast. And I think that they were very successful in, in a lot of ways with that because, you know, even even here we have Monats V Trigger 2 where we go, well, that's probably pointless. Um, and then, you know, a, a little while longer, well, hey, there's there's application for it here. And, and there's at least reason to investigate. And maybe there are situations and maybe there are matchups where that is the case where we should use that. And that helps us all delve in deeper, figure out more about the game, figure out more counters to these new, you know, techniques and, and tactics and such, and ultimately have a richer experience. So, uh, I, I just I, I really encourage people to not jump to conclusions too fast, uh, not just like you know hit that wall and go well this character sucks or this move sucks or whatever. Uh, you know keep an open mind because because we're seeing growth come from that open mindset and and I think that's really important. Okay, so I get you're saying it. I, I agree. Now let me play devil's advocate here and say, okay, you're a DJ player. Are you play Fong? Are you play Alex and whatnot? And your judgment is that the character pretty much sucks. Like. What do you do with that? Like, wh- where do you go with that? Well, uh, I will say that in Japan, um, I was talking to Brent when I was in SoCal not too long ago, and uh, he he still four is easily his his favorite, and he still plays, or he was setting it up at Wednesday Night Fights for a while, and he said Japan is actually bumped G- DJ on the tier list up quite a bit. People are figuring out a lot of tech with him, and I would say that that at least at least Street Fighter Four DJ is an example of probably not the best character in the game, but but he definitely had more potential than people were giving him credit for. And we saw Kitasetsu DJ come out and be like, I think he got like the number one rank or the number two rank in arcades, and that was with DJ, and that was in Japan. And it's like, well, this person, you know, it's only one individual, but they, despite all of the negativity and, and, and the negative mindset about this, took the character into training mode and figured it out. Um, and and there was a lot to be uncovered that people were never going to see otherwise. Um, that said, there are things that do seem fairly worthless, you know. Uh, um, and and even in the V trigger edition uh, category of things, a lot of the new V triggers are like, yeah, why well, I, well, I don't see much of a use for this. And and it's not to say that it's never the case that things are just duds, um, and that characters are just not viable. And things like that, like that, that does happen. the The warning is just to not go there too quickly. So, so you're right. There, there are 
characters that are not there, but just please give it time. And and that means like give a character six months before you say that where they are, you know, on the tier list. You can speculate and you can say, you know, I know this about, you know, I know what it means to have a three frame normal and I know what it ha- means to have an invincible reversal and I know what, you know, damage output is in relativity or in relative speak to Street Fighter Five. And so I can take that information and say, well, Cody's probably going to be pretty good, at least on these fronts and, and make speculation. But please just, just hesitate. You know, and give yourself the benefit of the doubt for a while. I'm going to put us on blast here and say that, hey, you know, we're saying don't judge, uh, don't jump to judgment too quickly. Yet both of us are saying with Cody, like, hey, he's really good. And and so I I want to like kind of put this in context a little bit and say that hot takes that we're doing and throwing out here, they do help you decipher stuff like it's not like with when I saw V Trigger two, I immediately said, "Oh man, this is going to be superior to V Trigger one and all that." I still don't think it's uh, superior to V Trigger one. I think Manas V Trigger one is one of the best in the entire game. I don't think V Trigger two is that good, I, but I still think it's practical and useful, especially if your playstyle supports that. And to go back here, that that's still helpful to give me context on how I should be approaching that move. Like I'm not going to try to use it like V Trigger one. I'm not going to try to approach it the same way. I need to try to find out what's good about that particular move. And so hot takes, they do have a, they do set you up for stuff. It's like, okay, if a character is really low on the tier list, it doesn't mean they're not viable. And a lot of hot takes are actually pretty accurate with the tier list of what we've found over the years, especially in modern times. Not, not in old times, but in modern times, we've gotten pretty good at getting the stuff, you know, generally okay. So that helps you decipher what's going on. That helps you figure out like, hey, you know what? I'm going to maybe have to work a little harder with this. Am I okay with that? Am I okay with putting this time into this character or should I just go pick Cammy and hit buttons all day? You know, kind of thing. No offense to Cammy players. But, no, you know, definitely offense to Cammy players. You yeah. guys are all scrubs. I hate you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So th- th- it has its place and it, it has its context. Just don't let those initial hot takes be your end all be all. Don't let people tell you, hey, you know what? This is not good if you know otherwise and if you think you know otherwise because you're going to have moments where you doubt yourself. You're going to have moments where you're like, man, why the hell did I pick Fong? This is dumb. <laughs> I, I don't know what I did. Well, I am doubting every decision I've ever made in my life at this point in time. You're going to have those moments. But if you feel something is there, if you feel that you've got something that's when you keep pursuing it. And again, I'll go back to one of the classic stories in the fighting game community, and that's CN with Gen. And I, there were a ton of people saying, why are you wasting your time again? That character is no good. You're not going to find success with them. Uh, and if you would have listened to that, he probably doesn't win Evo. You know, I mean, again, he's so skilled. Maybe he does. But man, I mean, that was that was an amazing and brilliant thing we still talk about to this day. It's one of the best Evo wins of all time because it came from out of nowhere. No one was expecting him to do that. Uh, except for Z and, and the Singapore people and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, besides that, but it it came from out of nowhere and it's, it, it's, it was a legendary moment. It's one of the my favorite moments in the entire fighting game community and I'll always be a fan of CN for, for that moment. And that's the kind of stuff you can build. And, you know, obviously on the scale well, that we're You couldn't make Fang work, so, so yeah. counter-argument, get wrecked. Right, and, and, and he couldn't. And again, I, I honestly do think in the case of, of Fong that he's, I don't think he was a good fit for CN. I don't think that that's a character that that fits his style and approach very well, and I think it's something in Street Fighter Five that he's been struggling with a decent bit. So, um, and I've got one of my uh, my kids' uh, ch- children's toys going off in the background. My apologies for that. So, <laughs> oh yeah. For those of you that don't know, John likes to uh, play with children's toys whenever he's doing anything yes. work related. Yes. It just calms him. Um, and, and you know that that extends to again like um, all avenues of life. I've just I've been surprised 
so many times from various situations where you just go this there's no way that this will work or that this can be done and and like so i, I look at um you know broly legs the the handicapped um street fighter player i think he also played smash where the guy the guy is is like you know physically um deformed and handicapped he 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 lives essentially on a table he has very limited use of his hands and it's like you look at that kind of person and you go well of course there's no way that they're going to be able to play fighting games like it's just from my perspective what you know it's like I, I i have two hands that work just fine and 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 i can hardly make stuff work you know i can't even throw a, a hadouken on player two side and and if you take that hot take in that situation and go yeah it's impossible then then you never explore these other avenues and like sure enough broly legs is an amazing player he plays with uh for those of you that don't know he like holds the controller with one of his hands and then plays with his tongue through his cheek and, and you go, what? How could imagine you trying to do that? Uh, you go, that's that's impossible. It's like it's not impossible. Someone's done it. Someone's done it because they had necessity to do it. But imagine if everyone had the approach to say that I will, uh, you know, I, I'll I'll just do this um, because I I want to try to do it as opposed to like I have to because I don't have any other choice. It's like no, I'll continue to explore Falk. I'll continue to explore Sakura. Whoever. Um, it's just like. I've been surprised many times before in situations where I thought, like, of course, you, that, that's, you're never going to be able to do that because of my understanding of how things work. And that's oftentimes wrong or at least not fully right. So, you know, I say all that to say, believe in your dreams. Go on. <laughs> no, on this note, it's, uh, when I started Event Hubs, people are like, well, why are you starting this stupid website when Shuriken exists? And it's like, well... I see a bunch of things they're not doing. They're not blogging at all. You know, they're not putting up news. They're not putting up results. They're pretty much just a forum and they're not doing anything else. And now the site has blown up into what it is now. But if I would have listened to all the people that were telling me otherwise, like I never would have started the website or would have shut it down after a couple months and I would have moved on with my life. And people give you a lot of bad advice. People give you a lot of negative and crappy advice. And you have to be careful what you let into your life and what you don't. And People will steer you in directions they think are helpful and whatnot, but a lot of times they're giving you a lot of bad advice. And just be careful what you let in. So, But this next bit you should let in because I have some bad advice to give you as far as your gameplay. There we go. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, here's, here's a little bit of a story. I have been uh, devoting a lot of my time, as is probably pretty evident and with how much we talk about this and such, to Street Fighter V, specifically getting better, hopefully being able to eventually compete with some, uh, with some consistency in the tournament circuit. And so that's meant, you know, not only playing a lot of sets online and, and just gaining experience, but also going into the training mode, looking at the more nuanced parts of the game, frame data, specific situations, how to deal with, like, with like V reversals at specific ranges with specific moves to trump them out and things like that. And so, uh, the point is I've just been really grinding away. And um, my uh, my former training partner, Driftwood, who we, we got into Street Fighter 4 at the same time and have been essentially playing fighting games, at least competitively, for the same amount of time. We know each other inside out. He uh, doesn't like Street Fighter 5, and he just completely uh, moved away. He's doing a lot of other stuff in real life now. He's, he's you know, busy with job, girlfriend, um, He's doing fencing now, which we, we talk a lot about the parallels between fencing and, and Street Fighter with footsies and things like that. But anyways, he doesn't have the game, doesn't play, uh, was a Karen player. And, and so like the last like six months or so, he's probably been to like three or four Street Fighter outings when it's just like, eh, I just want to see the guys and hang out, you know, and, and it's kind of like riding a bike. You can just kind of do a lot of the stuff because execution isn't, isn't super demanding in this game, relatively speaking and such. And, and he's still a very good fighting game player, but so 
considering that he hasn't been playing and that I have, um, and I have been so much, I went over to his house two nights ago, and he's like, hey, bring Street Fighter, and, and so I did, and we were playing, and he beat me in a first to 10, and I go, <laughs> why am I alive? Like, what, yeah. what's, what's the purpose, you know, uh, the Sounds of Silence was playing in the background, and I had this existential moment, and I go, this guy is doing other <laughs> things with his life. I'm devoting a big part of my life to Street Fighter, and he just beat me. And I go, this sucks so bad. And so we took a little bit of a break, uh, went to McDonald's because we do that at like 10 p.m. at night and uh, and came back and picked it up for another first to 10. And I thought about what it was that uh, I was losing to. And because we we know each other's tendencies inside and out, um, the, it, you know, there's a few layers there. You, you I, He knows what I want to do as far as, uh, you know, Nikali versus Karen. But he knows how I like to play fighting games as well, mm-hmm. where I like to jump, where I like to reversal, things like that. And, and I'm aware of that. But what I found was that I wasn't aware of it on enough of a nuanced level. And the way that I changed things in order to change the tide back, because when we came back, we played another first to 10, I beat him 10-1. It was a huge adjustment, just complete turn on its head. Um, and I'm sure there are multiple factors to that. But the thing that I did to change things up was was very, very minute. Um, I just started staggering my approach. Mm-hmm. I, I started doing little tiny things where I, I would feel like, okay, whatever the situation was, maybe I did two crouching medium punches and that put me at a certain distance and I like to dash there afterwards. He knew... Um, like, like I would do it subconsciously, and I think he was more actively understanding of when I wanted to do things. So he was always ready for seemingly everything I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. when I found myself there, it's like my fingers want to do forward dash. I just stopped myself, and I did, like, the tiniest little change in my timing. Instead of forward dash, I did, like, one little, like, down teabag to stagger my timing and then forward dashed. And sure enough, that was all it took. Change yourself by just a few frames and all of a sudden you have upset your opponent they are not ready for you and that that also included like when i was approaching i would just stick out a bunch of standing light kicks mm-hmm. just in front of me and that would start to stuff his his normals that he was trying to intercept me with because he was so comfortable at the ranges one of the things i wanted to add in here because you're, you're talking about like you, driftwood is has been your training partner for how long now uh, since 2010 so yeah. eight years eight years okay <laughs> yeah um, our training partners typically know uh, our games better than we know our own games. Like mm-hmm. they have seen so many of your tricks and tactics over the years and they, they just immediately know how to react to them. And in street fighter five, you'll hear the commentary. People talk about this quite a bit. Like, Oh, so-and-so has a read on, you know, infiltrations timing. You know, they, they know his, what his timing is right now. And so staggers are very important. Like you have to throw people off the scent of what your timing is because this game is so rhythm based and we've talked about it before. It's you're sticking out big beefy normals, hoping for a crush counter or hoping to beat out another normal. And there's, it's more preemptive than it is reactionary in this game. And so with that, with the rewards being so scaled to that and skewed to that, I should say, you really, you get into a rhythm and if someone's got to read on what your rhythm is, you're dead because they can start hitting those buttons and blowing you up for it. And and so implementing staggers, what I call staggers, it's one of the things I go through before every single round. I try to remind myself, hey, stagger your timing as soon as someone gets a read on it. Because as soon as they do, it's like, oh, you're you're done, you know, kind of thing. If they know what you're going to go for. And again, case in point here of what John's talking about. It's and it's it's such a tiny thing that it's it's very easy to do. 
all it was was me hitting down one time before yes. a dash that I would normally do at a different time. Um, but the thing is, it took me 10 games to figure that out yeah. and 10 games to be directly aware of where it was in my game that needed to be changed. And I was successful after after making that adjustment. But here's the difference between me and someone like Infiltration or Tokido or Daigo. I, I like to use Daigo because he's, he's the master of this. Mm-hmm. He likes to do it in one round, and that's why people a lot of times will say that the first round Daigo will lose, and it's a, it's a download round. The pros are able to do what I did in 10 games in a round or two. Mm-hmm. They will understand and be focusing on their and their opponent's rhythms and be constantly adjusting to be in a rhythm that counters their opponents. And to be able to do that is is one of the huge differences. And it's so minute, it's so tiny, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a, sing, a, a half a second, not even half a second, a few frames of difference. And it can make all the, 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 the difference in the world as to whether or not you're going to win. So I say that to, to go... Well, it's something that you are not always aware of. It's a subconscious thing. Yeah. You get in your rhythm and you're just flowing and, and you're not necessarily thinking about it. Your fingers are just doing it because that's what you feel like will work. Well, if you are aware of it, you can change it. Yeah. And if you are aware of it quickly, you can change it quickly. And so the the general gist and the, the takeaway that I would hope people would get from this is be aware at all times of what you are doing. It's another juggling pin that you have to have. And, and that's dangerous in Street Fighter because too many and, and you're going to open yourself up. But it's something that you, uh, you even in, if it's just between rounds, take the second, take the little animation that happens to think about where did I get hit? Where, how can I change that? How can I stagger that forward movement or that, or that where I time my buttons when my opponent's attacking? Things like that to change things up. And you do that and I think you're going to see a lot more success. Now, I'll throw out there that people are going to start trying to implement their own staggers, their own, you know, minute timing differences and whatnot. And guess what's going to happen? This is Street Fighter Five. You're going to get blown up for it big time. Because if your first instinct is to stagger timing versus someone who doesn't really know your timing, generally you're taking your foot off the gas pedal. And this is a game that's very offensively based. If you are trying to play a lot of defense in this game, you can do it. But again, it's, it's more preemptive zoning. It's more preemptive defense than it is that. And if you're doing a bunch of staggers right off from the get-go... All of a sudden, you've opened up your your character to a lot more abuse, and you're not trying to put the offense out there that is very dominant in this game. It it is a very offense controls and dictates most of this game. It's when you get knocked down in an Oki situation, most characters can blow you up for that. So it's very important to have that balance in there. And the stagger thing is is gigantically huge uh, to to use a really bad term there, um, gigantically huge. But yeah. Uh, it, it's you have to have that because again, the moment that a good player sees what your timing is, they can blow you up for it. But you also can't let your foot up off the gas pedal so much where you're creating a bunch of gaps that the other player can exploit. And so it's a it's a juggling act as as John is talking about, you know, juggling you know multiple pins here, of making sure your offense is in line and then making sure your defense or making sure your staggers are are implemented properly in the in the context as well. Right, and so so it's not step one. Uh, you don't start by doing that. You start by just following whatever game plan you want to start with. You start with your rhythm. The point is you are aware of your rhythm and you adapt it once it stops working. And sometimes it, you don't need to adapt it at all because whoever you're playing against, they're just, they they are perfectly um, in, in a rhythm that you counter and you just roll over them and there's no problem. Well, don't make any adjustments there. Keep doing it until it doesn't work. But if you find yourself all of a sudden getting stuffed when you dash forward or getting anti-aired one too many times, you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm jumping at 
obvious times. I'm going to do two jabs now before I jump or something like that mm -hmm. just to throw the timing off. Um, that's when you, you make the adjustment. So no, begin, begin your round with your approach. Just be ready to change it as soon as it stops working. One of the things Justin Wong talked about and him and Problem X were talking about Abigail versus not and kind of Monot in general, where people feel like the best way to, to beat her is to go random. And so I want to be careful with this because I'm a Monot main, and I don't know exactly what it's like on the other end of things. But to me, that does feel correct, but it feels like an oversimplification of what's actually going on. Well, and there's a negative connotation with the yes. word random. Yes. Um, and, and I think that uh, you'll probably get to this as because I, I've, I've, I know that you and Justin had a little bit of a back and forth on Twitter talking about this because Justin came out uh, immediately after losing the problem X spoilers uh, at Northwest majors and he said next time I'll try to make it or not let you be so random and that wasn't a slight uh, the Street Fighter you need to be have that random factor it's, yes. again it's the juggling thing they need to not know what's coming yes um, and so it's like you need to have that calculated approach but you need to also be chaotic enough so that you're not um, readable. Yes. And again, it's, it's reading timing, especially with Monat. If, if someone has got a read on your timing, they can blow you up for it. And someone like Abigail actually has a really difficult time dealing with Monat standing heavy punch. That's where, you know, she puts her, you know, the stop sign is what they call it. You know, she puts her hands out and the orb flies out like halfway across the screen and goes low and comes back to her. It's very fast. Uh, it's got very little recovery, and then someone like Abigail does not have a lot of ways to approach that on the ground. He typically has to jump over it, and his jump is very floaty and difficult. And so he actually has to preemptively read that Monat is going to do that move, and then you know he cannot reaction jump on it. If he tries to jump on reaction, oftentimes Monat can not only block but she can actually crouching heavy punch anti-air because his jump is so floaty. It is, I don't think yeah. I, as Nikali can reaction jump to it. I yeah. think I have to do, um, I have to read it as well. I treat it yeah. as a fireball, but no, if I if I see it, it's too late. Yeah, it's it's a very fast recovery move. It might be it might be a little too good, to be honest. Uh, it might need a few extra frames of recovery. It's, it's a move I'm kind of on the fence on in terms of like, hmm, is that too good or not? But again, I also look at Monat and say, okay, like when you get in on her, you blow her up big time. And, and we saw that with Northwood. Northwest Majors and Problem X and Justin Wong, it's like, okay, he got in her one time, he's dead. Yeah, or Justin Wong is dead, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of how this game goes. And it, yeah, so... Well, Monat players, Guile players, any any character that of the few that can actually play defensively and put up these these basically like minefields or uh, obstacle courses of people trying to get in, they are the characters that get to set the pace yeah. initially yes. right and 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 their their approaches are or i guess their you know their defenses are very watertight and so what it comes down to i've heard it many times like when you're playing against guile from guile players uh you can't respect guile you can't yeah. just play the no, like no. i'm gonna jump yeah. over a sonic boom when i see it because it's it's too fast of recovery so what does that leave you well you need to be able to read a sonic boom or or read you know or, or make him jump if you have fireballs or something like that or or, or set him off um get him off of his, of his comfort zone but at the end of the day like that's what i think justin wong is talking about when he says i need to not let you be so random mm -hmm. uh, he needs to keep problem x in that box of, and knowing what he wants to do and knowing how he wants to approach because the only saving grace is like those characters guile and Manat, they will preemptively get to throw their stuff out there because it's so advantageous but if you are doing if you happen to be doing the counter to whatever it is at the at the correct time then you're in and then the reward is that you're in and these characters don't have great defense mm -hmm. um but but you have 
have to guess your way in. You have to guess the thing. And, and what better way of, of guessing than just being super random and hoping, like, you know, for the best. It, it, um, I that's wanna, what they kind of force you to do. Yeah, I want to be careful about saying, you know, totally random again because of the negative connotations of that. It's it's not totally random. You should have tells on when the opponent likes to hit buttons and when they're going to do stuff. Like, if you take the – I'll use an example – if you approach from the air and she's hitting out one of her buttons, you've got a free jump in on her. You may not hit her, but you've got a jump in on her, and now you're in at advantage. You've got a very good opportunity to blow her up and to mess her up. It's it's a very good situation for the other opponent. Just getting Monat to block a jump in is very good. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of defensive, uh, defensive options in. So you can call that random, and to some extent it definitely is, but you should have a read on the opponent's timing to some idea of like, okay, they're, they've hit a button here a bunch of times. Like, are they going to stagger? Are they going to do something? There's there's openings. You can either dash in, you can jump in. There are multiple ways to get in on every character in this game. No one has, as much as we talk about their defenses being airtight, and in some regards, yeah, if you play perfectly, sure it is, there are always gaps. There are always openings, and you have to learn what your opponent wants to do. It's Again, this game comes down to reads very heavily you need to be able to read your opponent's timing and get a feel for it and if you're not sure how to do it and you're calling it random you're setting yourself up for failure in terms of like i'm just going to randomly jump in and hope it works like okay yeah there's a risk there and whatnot but learn how to get more of a read on what your opponent wants to do you know, it's yeah. monot players. And be unpredictable. Yes. And, and be, instead of random, you could say unpredictable. Unpredictable, yes. And, and again, it's like I said, it's an oversimplification. It's Twitter. You know, you've only got a handful of characters to work with. You know, you're trying to explain stuff. You know, tournament just ended, all that kind of stuff. And, and Justin Wong does a brilliant job on commentary and, and, and tech and all that stuff. Like his, his mind for fighting games and how he unravels them is just brilliant one of the most brilliant minds in the fighting game community um but again it's just it's it's hard to explain all this stuff with nuance and whatnot that's why we like the podcast medium here and so just when we're talking about this stuff like there's there's a lot to it and if you guys ever have questions on like hey like what the heck are you guys talking about like i i did not understand a single word of what you guys said i i know you're speaking words but those words aren't making sense you know let us know in the comments like give us a shout out and whatnot we we try to unpack the stuff uh in this medium it's it works really well for it and we're trying to help everyone you know digest and get better we're trying to get better too it's not like we're sitting up here you know winning evo every single year you know we're trying to unravel this stuff ourselves and be like well this is how it works and how it doesn't and whatnot so and then, yeah, that's what we're going for. I, I also, on this note, want to want to highly suggest um, Tyrant and Pax from over in the UK. They have a, a channel called Frame Advantage, and they are going over a lot of the different problem characters that people have in Street Fighter V and highlighting like what these characters are specifically capable of and how to get around them and what your best bet is to deal with certain things. And uh, so I think so far they've done Guile, Abigail, Cami, and one other. I'm not sure. And we've we've shared a handful of their videos on um, Event Hubs. But I very highly suggest you go back and check out those because, um, I mean, you're going to run into these characters. They're very popular, and they have a lot of tools. And, and these guys have done a very good and nuanced job of, of kind of picking them apart and giving you your best shot to uh, to defeating them. So, mm-hmm. again, check out Frame Advantage, Tyrant and Pax. Um, very good stuff there. And with that, I think that that's about all I've got for today's podcast. I'm coming up on a good uh, close to an hour here, so probably a good time to wrap it up. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add, John? Uh, no, no, I'm good to go. I just uh, again thank you again for listening. Uh, if you can share us out on social media or tell your friends to to grab the podcast, and and if you have any other thoughts or questions or anything like that, you know we're listening. We go through the comments, and, and we're happy to respond.
So yeah, we very much appreciate if you put us on your top ten on MySpace. That does a lot to get the word out yes. and such. So <laughs> oh, um, yeah, and thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, and and please. Anytime, any suggestions, things that you would like us to specifically talk about and, and explore, we'd love to, uh, to get you guys involved in it as well. So uh, leave us some comments about uh, what you liked, what you didn't like, and we're going to try to make this as good of a product as possible for you. See you next time.